Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Fort. Before I get into what we're gonna talk about today, I have something that I'd like to ask of you. If you can go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a rating, it would mean a lot to me. Reviews and ratings help the Apple algorithm and make this podcast more visible to the world. And so if this is a podcast that's given you value while you've been listening and you feel gracious enough to leave me a review, this guy would appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. Now on this episode, we are gonna talk about the nuance, kind of step-by-step details of how Fort Capital performs acquisitions. As you'll learn in the episode, how you transact matters, and I'll leave it there. Enjoy the episode. So our process for executing a deal has a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of people in the company involved in our process. At any given point in time, we could be buying two to three properties, uh, which have lots of tenants, and um, they might be in different locations, and we're using different banks, and we're working with different brokers. So there's always a lot going on. And if there's one thing I've learned over the years that continues to stick out, but how you buy and transact and acquire really matters. And I don't mean just getting a great deal and buying at a great price. I mean the actual process by which you go about buying. That process not only creates less entropy and friction in your internal office, but it delights a lot of people and third parties that you work with. It delights bankers when you're a good buyer and you're easy to work with. Brokers, attorneys, title companies, vendors, appraisers. I mean, there's a myriad of people not on the internal team that are impacted when you're buying something. And what we have, what I have noticed from my seat is the amount of positive feedback we receive after every transaction is pretty incredible. Um, When you can make everybody's life easier on the outside when they're working with you, naturally it makes them want to do more uh, deals with you. And so at Fort, we've put a huge emphasis on how we transact and we think it matters. And again, that's not just trying to find a great deal, that is the process of which I'm gonna go through today. So today we're gonna talk about from the day we see a deal, all the way to the day we closed. So before I get started, I just want to lay the groundwork that I'm going to hope to uh, bring up all of the different people that are involved in the process at Fort Capital at different periods. Some people more involved than others, uh, some people involved in different stages, um, but it's a true team effort. Everybody is, is working on it to some degree, and it's what makes our buying process what we think is good. To begin, I've talked about this on Twitter and I've talked about this on other podcasts, but we are about to do our 31st deal. And to date, we have not bought any of those deals in an auction process. We like to buy off-market deals or lightly marketed deals, but nothing that is being sent around the country. And we do that kind of three ways. We have amazing relationships with brokers. 
We have built a program of independent contractors that we call strategic acquisition consultants that we work about. And I'll give you a little detail there. And then we have internal people that source deals. And what we have done is we have identified every building in Texas, which is kind of our market and really kind of the core cities. And we at least know all the buildings in Texas that fit our parameters. They are in the locations we would want to be in. They're the size we would want to be in. They have the types of tenants we would want to be in. They are the age we would want, um, all of those things. And so we have them identified. And between brokers, acquisition consultants, and internal, those are the pro- those are the, the deals that we're communicating on, and those are what we're telling the outside world we're interested in. And just a little more nuance on what an acquisition consultant is to us It is, by definition, an opportunity to act as a consultant for Fort Capital by working with top real estate professionals to create a continuous deal flow through the utilization of Fort Capital's resources, processes, and leads. Essentially, we sign up brokers, um, but you don't even have to be a broker, on an independent contractor agreement with us. You sign an agreement with us. And that agreement says, we will share information with you to help us be more successful in buying. And in return, we expect you to bring us off-market deals where we have the first look to make a bid and acquire. And there are incentives uh, by which to do that. Um, We pay an extra half a point of commission when we close. We allow that broker into our promote. And we allow that broker or consultant, I'm sorry, to participate in our deals as an LP if they choose. Certainly don't have to. We've come up with a program by which they submit deals to us. So we don't just allow somebody to just send in a flyer and then that puts a lot of work on us. They have to have done the the work of collecting a rent roll and operating expenses and a willing seller. And then they they fill out a whole uh, input on leads.fortcapital.com. They have their own account with us and that is how they submit deals. So again, not trying to stray off path, but that's what an acquisition consultant is. And while I'm talking about it, if this is something you're in Texas that you would be interested in learning more about, we would love to hear from you. But back to the process. So deal comes in, uh, we immediately do a quick check. A quick check can happen in minutes or hours. The best part about being hyper-focused on kind of one asset type is you get to know them a lot better every day, and it makes getting to a no easier every day. And so quick checks happen. Um, sometimes it, it you could just look at something and in 30 seconds, you know it's a no, but sometimes it could take a little bit longer. Depending on how that deal has arrived to us kind of gives us the instructions on how we're going to underwrite it really quick. We can either do a quick underwriting or a full underwriting. If we don't have a lot of information like a rent roll and operating expenses and uh, things like that, we might just do a two-page model, which we're plugging in a lot more assumptions. If we do have more data, we'll do a full in-depth model, uh, discounted cash flow analysis, And we have a much better picture of what's going on. Again, not every deal arrives right out the gates with the same amount of information, but the more we can get, the better. But again, without a rent roll, without full operating expenses and statements, it's harder to fully underwrite. So we'll stick to a more quick two-page model. Now, those deals are coming in and we are uh, doing the quick look. 
deals that kind of get past a quick look go into a deal pipeline folder. And it is the analyst's job every day to review that folder along with our VP of finance and our director of leasing. They're going through those deals and understanding which ones are the ones we should be working on, which came in the day before, and kind of reprioritizing. Deals kind of change day to day, and we don't ever want to be spending time on things that have very low probability. We always want to be having our attention on the things that uh, we feel like have a highest probability. So once they've gone in and reviewed everything, the director of leasing and our finance manager prioritize which deals need to be moved up the chain in the initial underwriting phase. As these deals are progressing, they're going into our deal pipeline, which we track through FOS, but you could track it through lots of different ways. And deals are categorized by tracking, awaiting materials, underwriting, and offer submitted. So once all those deals have gone into our deal pipeline and we know which stage they're in, we have our team go through those prior to Wednesday deal meetings. So we do our deal meetings on Wednesdays and we know um, that the team has met ahead of time and that when they come in, the pipeline is updated and we know we're going to be talking about the most important deals that they have decided. And again, you could come in on a Monday and think you have the hottest deal in the world and it's the most important. And by Tuesday afternoon, it's it's dead. I mean, that's just the deal business. So uh, we always want Wednesdays, everybody to come in guns blazing. Uh, we want to have the most important things to talk about. And we do that by that team of analysts, VP finance, finance manager, director of leasing, really spending time in the deals uh, every single day and reprioritizing and reviewing. If a deal is going to be presented or talked about, obviously that is what we do during that Wednesday deal meeting. And I think it's important to note that in that meeting is our CEO, our VP of finance, our finance manager, our director of leasing, our VP of ops, our analyst, and our executive coordinator. So there's a lot of people in that meeting that represent different areas of the company, but they're all important because when you're doing a deal, there's a lot of work that gets done that's not just uh, in the hands of the investment professionals. So that is who will sit in that meeting on Wednesdays. It's a very tight agenda. It's usually 45 minutes to an hour at the most. And if you ask Jason, our CEO, he would say it is the absolute most important meeting of the week. And there's a lot of work that goes into making it the most important meeting of the week. 80% of the time is spent reviewing deals and underwriting to decide if we want to submit an LOI or not. The other 20% is deciding which deals to keep moving through the process or kick them out into either tracking or move them all together. And within that hour, if there are outside third parties that have brought deals in, they're invited to the first uh, 15 to 20, 30 minutes of the meeting so that they can kind of give their pitch on the deal that they're bringing. And then once they pitch, they leave and our team, um, you know, stays in and goes through everything else together. So we invite our brokers, we invite our strategic acquisition consultants into our deal meeting so that not only they can present their deal and we can, you know, learn from them, but it helps them get to know the team better, helps them get to you know, build better relationships. And it's been fantastic. So uh, Wednesday morning deal meeting, 45 minutes to an hour, most important meeting of the week. 
Um, again, even taking this back to what I talked about in our flywheel, there is nothing better than when Fort buys another great piece of uh, real estate and deal meetings where that happens. And that is why it is the most important meeting of the week. Let's say we've gone through that meeting and there's a deal that we are going to submit an LOI on. What we have after that is, a, is an hour blocked after deal meeting for investment committee, and we'll just roll straight into an investment committee. And in that meeting, we are confirming underwriting and really dialing in the LOI. We're making sure that everybody that's in the room is in agreement with how we're looking at the deal. We want to know where our offer should be. We want to know how much room we have, if we have any room at all, uh, the terms by which we want to offer. And uh, we're really just getting that final buy-in. And when we leave that meeting, the executive coordinator will go immediately and draft an LOI. And we usually have an LOI out on however many properties we're offering on that week, if there is any at all, within 30 minutes of leaving IC. So that first two, three hours on Wednesday, there's a lot happening uh, in our office. And um, that's when LOIs are going out. And that's when kind of first round investment committees are happening. When we draft the LOI, uh, not to get too much into the weeds, but terms on an LOI are who's the seller, who's the purchaser, what's the price, the earnest money, how long is the inspection period, the closing date, who's paying for which closing expenses, any commissions, any commission agreements, and contingencies. So within 48 hours of getting a signed LOI back from a seller, we have what we call our project kickoff. And in that meeting is everybody that I've already talked about, the CEO, the VP finance, the finance manager, director of leasing, VP ops, analyst, exec coordinator. But now we're adding in our direct, our executive vice president of construction and property management. We're adding in the property manager that will be assigned to that property. We're bringing in our investor relations and transaction coordinator. We're bringing in our controller. We're bringing in folks from marketing. Essentially, it's an all-hands-on-deck meeting. This is where there's a high-level overview presented by the finance manager and the director of leasing about the deal, all the nuances of the deal, any quirks that people should know about. The transaction coordinator presents the timeline and critical dates. We, again, discuss any kind of outliers about the deal. And uh, this is the in-person notice that your responsibilities are about to be in play and what you'll be accountable for. And again, without going into nuance, through our FOS, Ford Operating System, jobs are assigned to everybody with the click of a button and everybody is uh, now working towards the common goal. Again, those meetings can be quick or if it's something that's got some hair on it or nuance, that's the time for everybody to get a full briefing. It's a time for people to ask questions and it really kicks things off. Once we have gotten that signed LOI, we move straight to a PSA. In most cases, the buyer uh, will draft the PSA, but that isn't a mandate. But in most cases, we found as a buyer, we are drafting our PSA. And because we've done so many of these, we really don't need to start each PSA from scratch. Uh, we'll usually take the things that we've done and, and reformat them to the nuances of the new deal. And we really try and turn a PSA around to our sellers definitely within a week. Next is 
So we've kind of underwritten a deal. We like it. We have gotten an LOI. The team's been briefed. PSA's gone out. Let's assume it's been executed. Now, alongside and parallel during this part, we have to get an investment memo ready for investors. So once we feel like we are a day or two away from the PSA signature, we take the final PSA in terms and do a final investment committee to sign off on all underwriting fees, structure, and anything that we've learned about the deal since that original investment committee. All of this then goes to investor relations to create the investment memo a few days before the PSA is signed. I'm not going to go into all the things about an investment memo, but if you check out episode 81 called How to Underwrite an Industrial Deal and Create Investment Memos LPs Love, you can learn a lot more there. Or you can go to fortcapitallp.com, go to the tab Insights, and under the tab Free Resources, uh, you can download several templates of our model and how we put an investment uh, memo together. Let's take a quick break to highlight this episode's sponsor, Juniper Square. If you aren't familiar with Juniper Square, it's an easy-to-use, all-in-one investment management software designed specifically for real estate owners. We have been using it at Fort Capital for several years now, and it has completely revamped the experience we're able to provide our investors through reporting, management, and efficiency. Here's a bit more on how Fort Capital utilizes the platform. You have to think that if you have an LP that's with multiple sponsors, over time, the ones that are using technology to make their life simpler are going to continue to be the gold standard. And so, you know, we know our LPs are demanding it. The data is saying they're demanding it. The data is also saying that the GPs using it are starting to excel much quicker and are doing a lot more things and having a lot more to offer their investors and their employees. And so as this continues on, it's just becoming table stakes that using a platform like this is critical if you're going to be a great syndicator. You can check out episode 138, Real Estate Syndication 101, to learn more about the investor experience we created with Juniper Square or visit cjunipersquare.com. That's S-E-E, junipersquare.com for more information. And now back to the show. Now that the investment memo has been created, we will start preparing to raise capital. Uh, investor relations will begin to build the data room in Juniper Square, which is not signed off on until the VP of finance has given it the thumbs up. The deal is uploaded into Juniper Square so that each investor receives it and can view it in the data room. I won't go again too much into Juniper, but as we've discussed on other episodes, the way we populate the data room, it then is emailed out to all of our approved investors. They're able to click on a link and go into a personalized data room where they can view the deal. They can also confirm that they want to invest in the deal through that portal, or they can send us an email to let us know. But that is the process by which they get them. And we don't launch the deal until the PSA is signed. So often we'll get a PSA signed and we'll be launching the deal either same day or within 24 to 48 hours at the most. Often we will do a call with investors 48 hours after sending it out. And this is really us just verbally walking through the deal, offering a chance for LPs to dial in and ask questions. And then we'll record it and send it back out to any investors that couldn't make it. And 
we're really trying to raise that capital in that first week. Sometimes it happens in a matter of hours or a few days. But when you're sending a, a deal out to, you know, uh, four or 500 plus investors, there's just a lot of people looking at it and things uh, move quickly, which puts work on our investor uh, relations team to kind of keep up. So people will approve. They'll be added to our exhibit. I believe it's exhibit A or B. Sorry, but that's basically the capital stack. That's who's in and for how much. And we let everybody know that they're in and their confirmed amount. And investor relations holds their hand through the process until we're getting ready to close. You know, two weeks out, we'll send out all of the documents that they need to sign. And about 10 days to seven days out, we'll call all capital in so that we're prepared to close. Again, a lot of these things are happening parallel to each other, so it's not necessarily a step-by-step, but it's just giving you an idea of all that's going on uh, when these deals are happening. And again, Ford will do 12 to 15 deals this year. So we're always transacting, we're always buying, and most of the time, we have multiple deals going on at one time. So we've raised equity, we've created investment memos, we've approved deals, we've signed contracts. When do we start working on our bank financing? So we actually like to start with banks before we've even signed an LOI. We're at least talking to them and either giving them specific details or good enough details to start getting some indications of interest. Here we say for that we want at least three term sheets on each deal. So we're sending it to a minimum of three banks, sometimes more. But here's the cool thing that we've built uh, that we're pretty excited about is all of our term sheets go into FOS. And whether it's the term sheet that we agreed on and, and are going with or not, they're all in FOS and we can always refer back to them. And we often do when we're underwriting the next deal. And we have, you know, I think we have, I don't even know, 50, 100 of these LOIs now saved, I'm sorry, of these indications of interest from banks. And, you know, it's just a great way to see data and see what terms are coming in at and, it helps us sharpen our pencils when we're looking at new deals and often gives us uh, more data to negotiate when we're doing the next deal. So those will go into FOS. We like to select the bank pre-PSA. So that's often happening between LOI and PSA, not always, but that's our goal. And we send the lender uh, that we have chosen as soon as the PSA is done, we send that PSA to the lender and we immediately began working with the bank and sending them everything that they're going to need um, and engaging with them. Another thing that's going on, I uh, won't go too into it, but we at that project kickoff, there is a team that's got to get an entity set up and get legal documents drafted, which are subscription agreements, operating agreements, PPMs. Um, all that has to get going immediately so that it's all um, you know, ready by closing. We have to set up bank accounts. We have to get set up with the title company. So there's a lot of kind of administrative things going on as well. Property management is beginning to perform due diligence along with uh, other folks on our team. And I, again, won't go too much into that. If you look at episode 97, how Fort Capital performs due diligence, onboarding, and business plan execution. We do a really deep dive there of what happens in uh, due diligence and onboarding. Fascinating episode. There's a lot that goes in there. This episode could be a lot longer if I went all through it. Before we go hard on the deal, so 
you know, let's just assume we've been under contract and maybe it was a 30-day uh, look. Before that 30 days is up and we decide to go hard on our money, we do another big huddle up with the same team that was in the project kickoff. And, you know, it's a chance for everybody to confirm that we're all on the same page, that we have not dropped the ball, that all checklist items in DD have been completed and that we're ready to move forward. And that is uh, usually happens again a few days within going hard, but it's a critical meeting. A lot's been done in that 30 days, and we just want to make sure that everybody is on the same page. From there, uh, we go hard. I've already talked about the capital raising process, and we're ready for closing. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about our team and highlight them. We are, I think, almost every deal, we are ready to close a few days, if not a week or two before closing. Um Again, we have put the last two years and really made how we transact a huge focus of the business and it pays dividends. And so today was supposed to be a little bit of a look at how we transact and how we acquire properties and the different things that are going on. There were, again, two episodes that I've done previously, episode 81 and 97, that will give even more context to this. So I hope this gave you an insight into not only how we transact, but maybe some tools that you can use in your transactions going forward. I'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Fort Worth Chris, if there's things that y'all are doing that we should be thinking about, or if you have any questions. And as always, again, thank you for continuing to tune in. And I hope you found value in today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating or write a quick review. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort Podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.